WNYC would like to issue the following disclaimer. Duplicast is not an Orphan Black recap podcast. It is an Orphan Black podcast, and it does contain recaps, but also very silly things. That's it. Thank you for listening, and please enjoy. Hi, guys. This is Emma Drexler with my producer, Caitlin Thompson. Hi, guys. So Hannah couldn't be here today. I went to her apartment. I... I, I can't find her anywhere. I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. Please don't fire me. I can't find Hannah. I, I looked everywhere. Her favorite shoebox that she likes to hide in, the kitchenette where she gets all that water, I, and I, I don't know where she is. What do you think's going on? I mean, what should we do? Should we cancel the I mean, episode? 97% she's been kidnapped, uh, maybe 98 I. This happens a lot. Uh, unfortunately, in the clone world. And I, I, I should have mentioned that before you hired us yeah. to do this podcast. Should we call the police? No. I mean, do you really want to get tangled up in clone police stuff? I'm going to be real honest. This is my first show with clones, and I'm, I, I think it might be my last. <sighs> Thanks, Hannah. So will you do the recap with me? Just like talking about the show? Yeah. I mean, I don't have any clone insight. Is that okay? Yeah. Great. Let's do it. Hi, welcome to Duplicast. I'm Emma Drexler. And I'm Caitlin Thompson. Today on the show, we'll be discussing Episode 7, Season 3 of Orphan Black. The main plot of this episode is Allison and Donnie... She's trying to campaign for town, whatever she's campaigning for. Donnie's trying to make a drug deal with Jason and a guy named Pouchy, who we later learn is the same guy that cut off Vic's fingers. So that's going to get it tense. Good old Vic. Where is that guy? Probably lost too many fingers. Then we follow Cosima and Shay and Delphine gets in the mix. Cosima clearly sick, but refuses to acknowledge it. She joins plot A with Allison at the school where they're campaigning because she needs her urine sample so she could hide that she's sick. Then we're south of the border with Helena and Sarah, who have escaped, and they're somewhat on the run, but they're kind of cooling their heels in a Mexican cantina. Yeah, Mrs. S shows up. She and Helena fight, then hug it out. I will find my boyfriend. I didn't know you had a boyfriend. He is named Jesse. Together we will draft all trucks and make a home for our babies. Some punches are thrown, some noses might be broken, and then Mrs. S just hugs Helena so hard that they love each other now. Haven't you ever been part of that kind of hug? I don't think anyone that has ever hugged me that hard meant it to calm me down. It's more of an aggressive act, I think. But she was dressed like Indiana Jones. Yes. What were we supposed to expect from Mrs. S? You're right. She swooped in... To make things right. And there's also that cantina proprietress who is dispensing a lot of very on-point but vague wisdom. Man, she is great. She's never coming back. (sighs) Well, you know, at least the bit players are three-dimensional characters, as long as they're women. Felix uh, gets a little relegated back to his gay best friendiness. But he's doing what he does best. You know what really impressed me? that Tatiana Maslany as Cosima without her glasses genuinely looked like she couldn't see anything. Like her eyes were a little crossed. What about Donnie in the drug mix 
busting out a little Portuguese. He's a man of mystery. He apparently took Allison's name when they married. Not sure why. Probably because his name was Chubbs and he didn't want to be called Chubbs anymore, which makes sense. Although Allison's terrible, horrible mother takes it as a sign of weakness and... As we learn, she disdains weak, pathetic men like her husband, who she tricked when she asked the fertility clinic that they went to to replace his sperm with something better. An upgrade? Is that what she called it? An upgrade. And so she got upgraded with a clone baby because she's an idiot. She's very mean. She's definitely the meanest character we've ever seen on the show. I guess we learn in this episode that in life, even elitist mean people who seem to have it all going on for them, are stupid. We learn a lot about why Allison is so prone to anxiety and popping pills and drinking herself, because, I mean, who wouldn't with a mother like that? Who fakes panic and heart attacks to trick her daughter into abandoning her goals? Curiously, the drug lord high school boyfriend, Jason, is the glue that somehow manages to repair the Allison and Connie Hendricks relationship. Yeah, he sort of saves Donnie because he has to go and get the money, tells Allison about it. Then somewhere down the line, he's telling Connie that Allison is actually a great woman and that her legacy for a soap store will be preserved. You're her mother. I mean, you don't see it. The same Allison that I see. I see a beautiful, ambitious, classy young woman with a head for business. Then he goes off and, like, kisses Cosima thinking she's Alice. He's got a big part in this episode. He's just off, like, sprinkling his weird Jason drug dealer fairy dust on little, on parts of the script. Yeah, I didn't see him coming as a, as a character on the show, to be honest. Yeah, I think he's our new Paul slash Vic and Art and every other male character. That's it. Yeah. After the break, you're going to hear an awesome interview that Hannah and I got to do with none other than Mark freaking Wahlberg. Stay tuned. So... I am overjoyed to have our first celebrity guest on oh our goodness. show. Oh my gosh, it's this Marky Mark. I mean, I'm sorry. I know you probably don't like people <clears throat> using that name. No, that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. Uh, uh, Mr. Yeah. Mark Wahlberg, everybody. Hi. Marky hi. Hi. Thanks for having me on the show. Mark. All right. Good to be here. Okay, Mark, if I can call you Mark, you came on today to talk about your new movie. I'm yeah, it's coming out July 18th. No, wait, July 18th is uh, actually the premiere of the first episode. I, I seared it into my memory because it was so important to me. Uh, but yeah, it's coming out uh, June 3rd. Uh, Entourage the movie finally happening. We're getting the gang back together only a few short years after the series ended. I'm sure we all miss them, those Every- scrappy fellas. You know, everybody's saying, I, I want to know what happens next. I want to know what happens to these guys, to Drama and to Turtle. Uh, Ari? 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 Yeah, he, he hugged people, right? Uh, yeah, Ari, Ari was a big hugger, always a big hugger. Does uh, he hug a lot in the movie? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, you're going to see some hugs. Uh, you're going to see some shrugs. You're going to so, see a lot of different uh, physical interactions with Ari and other people. Yeah, it's very important to me. So, Marky Mark, 
Uh, you, you're okay with me calling that, aren't you? Uh, so, Marky Mark, how does this movie, the Entourage movie, show clone culture? Because obviously, I mean, we are an underrepresented minority. Yeah. You know. Yeah. In, no. In I, I, I hey, I appreciate the question, and I that's why I came here today. I wanted to address this. Uh, I wanted to let you know that for the first time in the history of television and film, we're representing clone culture in a positive way. In the first 10 minutes of the movie, all four members of the entourage are killed. They're all killed in a, in a gasoline fire while camping. And shortly thereafter, a new set of entourage, entourages of entourage, are grown in a lab so that they can take over every element of the entertainment industry and other industries. So it's a fantasy movie where there are male clones. Uh, no, actually, it is uh, based in factual uh, evidence because all the clones are females. Oh, wow. It is in a, in a twist revealed in the first ten... You know, I shouldn't tell this many spoilers so quick, but in the first ten minutes of the Entourage film, you discover all four members of the Entourage are women and have always been women. And then you quickly wow. discover that there are numerous clones of them growing in a lab after the first four women members are killed in a gasoline fire. That makes me like that show a lot more, because honestly, I always thought it was a little bit misogynistic. Well, but know, if they're all women, it's just like women talking about women. It's empowering. That's yeah. what it is, yeah. I'd like to think that that's what we were doing all along, is that we started by creating a misogynistic show to draw in some of the least women-friendly people in the country, and then we do a hard twist on making it a woman-friendly show, so that at the very end, all these misogynists are left as advocates for clone women. I, I got a lot on my mind, and what's on my mind is clone rights. Because I got to tell you guys something. My mother was a clone. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. My mother was a clone. One of uh, hundreds. Marcus, if I may call you that. Yeah, of course. Can you speak to that a little bit? Um, tell us about your mother. What well, was she like? Well, you know, my mother was a was a good woman. She was a good Catholic Boston woman, strong accent, strong jaw, strong will, uh, really believed in God. Her name was Rhonda. And um, I found out that she was a clone when I caught what I thought was my mother with a person who wasn't my father. And my mother explained to me that, no, that's not my mother. That's her clone, Bronda. Oh. So my mother was not my mother, but her clone Bronda was sleeping with our mailman. I thought it was very unusual that they use in my mother and father's bed to do it. But uh, no, that was a clone. And her name was Bronda. And she spoke in a uh, what I think was a very bad Russian accent. But she said she was Russian. So who am I to question a Russian's Russian accent? You caught your mother. I'm sorry. You, no, no, I never. You... No, my mother was a good, committed Catholic woman who never cheated on my father, but I did come across a woman who looked exactly like my mother, who mm -hmm. was her clone, named Bronda, who had sex with our mailman, our milkman, our television repairman, our stoop repairman, and uh, most of the VW. Well, so, that does make sense because, you know, there's a lot of nature versus nurture with clones. Isn't that right, Hannah? It only makes sense, right? Right? I mean, how could Mark Wahlberg be so strong and tough all the time if he didn't have superior genes. I can't argue with that. Yeah. So it's... Our, 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 so our was, genes are definitely genetically superior. I can bend pens. Some of my fingers Fine glow pens. in the dark. Too. Okay, okay. Yeah, that's great. You know, we each have our own talents. My talent is I can, I can punch through a phone book. It's what I do at every audition. 
You still have to audition? I am amazed by that. Isn't that incredible? Yeah, you'd think I wouldn't, but they still call me in and make me punch through the phone book. You know, Mr. Wahlberg, if I can call you that, if I was a casting director, I would maybe call you into audition just to see you punch through a phone book, because that sounds really great. Yeah, I'm a, little, I'm a little suspicious that that's just why they make me do it, is they want to see, does Wahlberg still got it? Can he still punch through the phone book? You know? What uh, what so but yeah, you guys are clones. Mm-hmm. Have you noticed mm-hmm. that you guys have any additional superpowers? You can bend pens. You, your nails glow in the dark. You know what, what else? What else? Amazing mysteries of your bodies have you discovered? So we feel each other's pain. That's amazing. And, and finish each other's. That's amazing. Wow, you two are amazing. Marcus, Marcus, wow, Mickey, Mickey, Mickey. May I call you that? Only my friends call me Mickey, Mickey, Mickey. You're one of them. I like to consider anybody I meet my friend. Anybody that can address me by name is my friend. Until you're not. And then you're in trouble with Mickey, 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 Walbert. Then then you bring out Marcus Darkus. Marcus Darkus is bad news. I'll punch you in the next week. Sometimes I see movies I'm in, I'm like, mm, not enough Marcus Darkus. And then when I get silly, I call myself Marcus Malarcus. It's a good one. Thanks, Hannah, too. Yeah. Oh, she's Hannah one. I'm just Emma. Sometimes I call her Hannah because I get confused. Oh, okay. At my foundation for clones, one of the things that we discuss is how clones sometimes get confused about who the clone is and who the other one is. Because it's like, you're me, I'm you. Because I tell you what, there were times when my mother would have sex with other men. Definitely it was her. And she'd be like, well, I thought I was Bronda. Mm-hmm. You know? I think I think some clones, if they grow up in a similar region... Or mm-hmm. even in the same convent, yeah. they mm-hmm. tend to be sort of similar. But if they're in different countries, different living situations, different upbringing, that sort of thing, you can tell. Or if they just, you know, are good at acting. Well, you know, Bronda said she grew up in Russia. And, and so she spoke with this bad Russian accent. But then sometimes she had a perfect Boston accent. So I think she must have spent a lot of time in Boston. Yeah, if you have a good Boston accent, I, I imagine it's hard to keep up a good Russian accent. Uh I don't know what to say. I mean... I get this a lot. You know, when Mark Wahlberg's hanging out with a bunch of people, they're mostly rendered speechless. And I, I understand why, because I'm, I'm Mark Wahlberg, and that's a big deal. You're an impressive, impressive person. Okay, Mr. Wahlberg. Yeah. Marcus Darkus Malarcus. I have three final questions for you. Okay. Number one, just recap the Entourage movie for us for a second. Number two... Punch through this phone book. And number three, can we touch your abs just a little bit? Okay, I'm going to go in reverse. Okay, number three, you can touch my abs. Number two, this is what it sounds like when you punch through a phone book. Oh. It's a very thin phone book I found. It's more of a pamphlet of numbers. But uh, but I did it. And now the Entourage movie. Uh, okay, quick recap. First 10 minutes, the entire entourage is killed in a gasoline fire at a camp. Then it is quickly discovered that they were all women and that there are many entourage clones. The entourage clones come out and they make a, a new clone-related version of Schindler's List uh, that fights for clones' rights. And then uh, quickly after that, the, another set of entourages take over the White House and then the entire country is run by a series of bureaucratic entourages until Transformers come. Okay, and this is where the crossover happens. Uh-huh. The Transformers come down, and then the Transformers are fighting with the entourages, right? Makes sense. Uh, and then mm-hmm. and then we find out 
Then we find out that Mark Wahlberg's natural nemesis, Benedict Cumberbatch, his only enemy in this world, has also been a, a woman this entire time, is cloned. And then there's a giant clone fight, and we're going to call this The Clone Wars. Yeah, we're going to call it... a movie it, within a movie? Oh Yeah, we make a movie in the movie, and it's called Clone Wars. And then there's a whole scene where there's a, a copyright infringement scene with George Lucas over his second Clone Wars movie of Star Wars. Is he uh, also a cloned woman? Uh, yeah, it is discovered that... It's actually discovered that every single man on the planet is a cloned woman. And that's, and that's, I think, our message, is that inside every man is a cloned woman, and I think that's where we all discover this sense of togetherness. Yeah. Actually, I have, I have, yeah, we haven't touched your abs yet. Oh, okay, yeah, 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 go ahead, go ahead. Ouch. There's barbs on them. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, they're, they're naturally barbed. Well, thanks for having me, guys. Mark Wahlberg, you've been a wonderful guest. I could not agree more. Yeah. And Good anytime luck with, you want to yeah. just come and hang out. Thank you so much. Yeah. Good luck with your film. It sounds amazing. Thank you. I'm I'm gonna be in the front row on opening night if Oh yeah, if I'm buying I am, ten tickets just for me. If I am alive and not in captivity, you know, fingers crossed. Hey, <laughs> Hannah too, I I hope for a day that they no longer enslave any of the clones. That's what I work for. It's Emma 1, Mickey. It's Emma 1. This episode of Duplicast was written and performed by Anna Rubinova and Siobhan Thompson with special guest Dave Ebert. It was produced by Jen Poyant, Caitlin Thompson, and Paula Schumann with production help from Ethan Scheel. Our musical theme was composed by Jake Cowett who doesn't know what love is. 